Hello and welcome again to Cosmic Crit, a Starfinder actual play podcast. I'm your good friend, Jubert, and what an episode we have for you today. But before we get to today's episode, I want to take just a second to remind everyone that there is still time to get in submissions for our April challenge, wherein we'd like you to write us a pitch for an Eoxian reality TV show. Really let your imaginations run wild on this one. It's going to get pretty crazy, I imagine. Uh, we've already gotten quite a few submissions, and so far, uh, these things are looking absolutely great. We cannot wait to hear what else you are all going to come up with. For details, check the website, CosmicCrit.com. But do hurry, because there are only eight more days left in April. And then... It's gonna be May. All right, beloved listeners, I'm going to get out of your hair and on with the episode, which this week we're calling Monster Unknown Splattergrounds. Last time on Cosmic Crits. Tiny Eoxian space fighters continually shoot our poor Drift Rider in the butt. While negotiating with Captain Aquana on trading the Veolisk eggs, our feed is interrupted. How do you starship again? The possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field are 3,720 to 1! So that's a plasma torpedo! Excess power core reserves to the aft shields! Raimi outmaneuvered two corpse fleet ships long enough for the Drift Rider to blow them to scrap. Looks like these boneheads bit off more than they could crew. It appears these vessels have been piloted by some kind of reanimated skeletal life form. With his dying words, one of the attackers warned Raimi that someone referred to only as the Lady wanted to take him alive. Looks like we're headed to the Bone Zone. Off to Eox. Episode commencing in 3, 2, 1. Episode initiated. In every generation, there is a Solarian born. A girl that kicks undead butt and becomes the chosen one. She, along with her Scooby Squad friends, will rid the world of Screesires, Cultists, and Magic Beasts. Welcome everyone to Cosmic Crit. This is Patrick, your GM, your ghoulish master for this evening, and I'm here to open up the Hellmouth and let out all the fun monsters, one at a time, on the town of Sunnydale. Joining me are a misfit band of heroes destined to save the world. To my left, our furry friend embodied by the personality of Seth Green, it's Drew playing Max Israk. Is this going to be a musical episode? To his left, the Wise Watcher helping to get the best out of their teammates, Jabertiles playing Andus 147. <laughs> what if I say I'm not like the others? <laughs> Across the digital table, in his mind, he's Angel, but we all really know he's Xander. It's Miles playing Raimi. I laugh in the face of danger, and then I run and hide until it goes away. To his left, a slayer with blonde hair who doesn't care to lay you out bare. Rebecca playing Alindra Vallis. If the apocalypse comes, beat me. And finally, to my right, Spike not only in name but in weaponry preference, it's Tyler playing Adros Veronis. I prefer the vampires that sparkle myself. Boo. <laughs> <Ask> <laughs> oh boy, everybody. How are you guys doing? Good, good, good. Pretty good. Yeah. Lovely. We we had a little bit of technical difficulties trying to get this episode up and out this week, but oh man, 
Hey, we're recording right now, so that's good. <laughs> I'm ready it's for Starfinder. Than... Yeah, yeah. No, I think we're all ready for Starfinder. <laughs> right. So let's just get right back into it. What what happened last week at the at the very end of the episode? Space combat. <laughs> yeah, yes. but at the end, we found a skeletal like bone soldier or something hanging onto his blasted ship, and uh, he indicated that he was instructed to take Raimi back to Eox. So even more reason to head to Eox, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that is is when you were leaving K9204, you were attacked by these corpse fleet ships. And and one of them said, yeah, they, they were contracted to kill the rest of you. Bring, bring Raimi back perhaps. So it's been a while. Do you, do any of you want to check back in with Starfinder HQ, maybe communicate, what you've learned so far to Chiskisk. That's probably a good idea before we trek off to one of the principal pack worlds that's also super creepy and covered in bones and stuff. Yeah, it's sort of one of those things where you sort of want to like let your buddy know like, hey, I'm going to be over in this area tonight. So if I go missing, <laughs> like start looking in Eox. Yeah, like yeah. Ch- checks mix. I'm gonna text you every 35 minutes, but if I miss that window, <laughs> I want you to call the police. <laughs> so it, it's funny that you you say that because while you're pretty far away from Absalom Station at this point, the the, the way that you communicate across uh, the the pack system when it's really far is through the drift beacon. So you send a message you know, back through the, the drift. So inter-system communications can sometimes take a few hours to reach their destination. So if you are going to be talking with Chiskis, it's going to be kind of like writing a letter or an email and, you know, you'll get a response back later that day. So yeah, do you, you want to draft that up? What do you guys want to report back to the Lorespire complex? Dearest Chiskis, we write to you among this time of stellar revelations and... Okay, never mind. Uh, we should probably... Do we need to code it in any way? Like, do we need to, to, like, say, hey, we're doing this? Or is this, like, a secured, encrypted channel that we're sending it on? There's not, unless you have some kind of really hardcore military tech, ways to break down feeds like that, intercept them, or encode your own. So it would, it would have to be something pretty major. But just because of the nature of the way that the the messages travel through drift space unless someone is actively trying right now to listen in on you there's not really a way to get that message Uh, unless of course they've got them taps up them wire taps on the lore spire (laughs) complex in which case there's nothing you can do on that end either but as far as like intercepting your communique between your drift rider and the absalom hq there's not really a need to worry it it has been frustrating because it does seem like whoever is wanting intelligence on us, they just are getting it very easily. I mean, the lady that we found out uh, last week, you know, pretty much knew where to send the goons. Um, we already saw in the Star Eater Spine the surveillance footage of them following me or following a dross. So mm-hmm. um, we not, definitely not aren't to mention Robob following every single thing that we did. Yeah, I mean, I I would just assume that anything that we uh, communicate or say is pretty much 
common knowledge. Point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, there's nothing we can really hide from our enemies, and we really haven't tried to. I mean, we kind of are um, doorbusters at this point. All right. So, so Captain Alindra, do you want to send a, a message out to uh, to Starfinder HQ? Yeah. Can we just hit some of the highlights? So I, I'll, I'll certainly draft it into a a letter that would be well received by the Starfinder Society. But <laughs> I think we should include um, some stuff about the fact. Should we include information about the fact that apparently someone on EOX is searching for Raimi in particular? I mean, should we reveal that? Raimi, how do you feel about that? I mean. <sighs> I think it's fine if the Starfinders know because I mean, you know, someone's looking for me, and it's not—they're not—they're not doing a great job of hiding it. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so we we probably ought to include that. It, it maybe doesn't hurt to have a little bit um, of extra possible protection. Um, hopefully, that won't get us in trouble in any way. So, uh, of the last couple of weeks, nothing you want to hold back from from Jessica? Just kind of put everything in there in your report. I think, I think so. so. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of anything. <laughs> sure. So we, we got dear, a dog. Dear Chiskis, <laughs> we are best friends with the free Captain Pirates now. We, we, we are happy to relay that relations have been greatly improved. Yeah, uh, actually, I'm not sure that we ought to um, mention the eggs. I'm, I, I still feel a little bit leery about just handing over eggs to pirates, knowing how rare and how valuable they are. The Starfinder Society may not appreciate that fact that we're just handing such valuable goods over to pirates see, without I don't, I don't think that I don't think that's Alindra's trepidation. I think that's Rebecca not wanting to get attacked by six Vialisks later on in the campaign. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, Rebecca wants to hand them over because I want them off the ship as soon as possible. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Alindra, as a scientist, I think has some trepidation um, about handing over a scientific discovery to pirates. But but still, I would think that the Starfinder Society might have some take some issue with, with us just handing over pretty rare... Uh, uh, hard to find um, very valuable things to pirates. I mean, I assume that the Starfinder Society is not really on the side of helping free captains, right? <laughs> well, it it depends. You know, the Starfinder Society, pretty, pretty lawful generally, but if they need to break some rules, they definitely employ people such as yourselves uh, that, <laughs> that are able, yeah. able to do so. Yeah, so you guys are going where I'm sure Chiskis themselves could not go. True. And 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 you've already talked to them about all, all manner of dealings with gangs on Absalom Station and and, and the these unsavory characters on Castrobel. So not not something you need to worry about uh, as far as Chiskisk's reaction at least. So I, I think if if you draft this message, it'll take a a few hours, probably uh, the the better part of the day before they get back to you, but. They will pop up in a video message, and you all can gather around, listen to it if you'd like. Uh, it's a fairly long one, and Chiskis starts off. Salutations, Starfinders. I am happy to hear that you have tracked down the cult's base, but I am dismayed to hear that the Corpse Fleet seems to be trying to keep you off the cultist's trail. The Corpse Fleet is a formidable force if they are intent on keeping you from this information. I fear that they too might seek this so-called Stellar Degenerator as well. You should not take their involvement lightly, friends. The Corpse Fleet controls a powerful fleet of vessels, and their influence and clout is a pang in the neck of Eoxians, both here on Absalom Station and abroad. The Eoxian delegation is required to report any and all Corpse Fleet activities. 
in order to track their movements, numbers, and, and goals. But the threat still looms decades later. <sighs> Given your run-ins with the corpse fleet, I have kept my antennae to the ground and my contacts in the embassy here on Absalom have given me a contact on Eox in the Ministry of Eternal Vigilance. Her name is Juanita Trucks. Her office is in the city of Orphase, and she handles the reports on the corpse fleet. My source here seems to think that Trucks has been seen an uptick in corpse fleet movements on Eox and the surrounding area, from recruiting to amassing resources. While their goals are uncertain, what we can be sure of is if she has any leads, they may well aid you in, in tracking down the fleet and revealing their interests, both in the cult and the Stellar Degenerator. Perhaps if we can find the fleet members that raided the Star Eater's spine, we can track where the Cult of Devour is moving and cut them off. I, I would like to send you to Orphe's and go to the Splice District. That's where the Ministry office is located. I have sent word ahead that you will be there in a matter of days. Be on the lookout out there as I know Eox is a full packed member and I should try and represent it a little more sunny than it actually is, but it's a dead planet and the people there can be extreme. Uh, Chiska straightens up and they clear some phlegm from their gullet. I need to remind you, Starfinders, that this mission is of the utmost importance. Keeping this information out of the hands of rogues and cultists might be the most important thing we do with our lives. Find Juanita Trucks and track down the location of the Stellar Degenerator, for we need to know what it can do and keep it from those with an aim to use it. Transmission in. I wonder if Juanita Trucks is related to Tahoe, man. <laughs> Up. <Stupid> joke. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Juanita Trucks. Before Tahoe. Tahoe, man. Like Tahoe. Tahoe, man. Oh, oh boy. Man. So, yeah, Patrick, is that Trucks like like Trucks? Or a T-R-U-X-X <laughs> or like something spacey? Because it sounds just like, like uh, Juanita, like... Uh, Juanita Trucks. <laughs> exactly. Like she's a monster truck driver. Ah, or like the, the waitress at a last, a last chance diner or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it is indeed T R U X. You can draft uh, another message back to Chiskis. You have the time. Uh, why don't we go ahead and roll a D6 and see how long it takes? Um, I'm, I'm guessing you want to drift travel to Eox. It'll take. 26 days. Hey, not too long. Nice. Uh, miles. Miles, you rolled a, a one. So you still have time to, uh, you know, while you're in drift space, send another communique back to Absalom and go to bed. It's also the second one I've rolled in a row. Yeah, but this time <laughs> it's good. Yeah, I know. Really. <laughs> so, so should we, so since the lady is, is on Eox and like he knows the the corpse fleet is involved do we need to kind of remind him that it seems like they're on eox there is a still a corpse fleet contingent or someone that's working with the corpse fleet just to kind of extra point that out or do you think he gets that they just probably from your previous message have an idea of what you're talking about if, if you have a question though about winning the trucks or if you want to bring up you know in a message like hey can we can we trust this person yeah, feel free to ask any questions. What about a quick infosphere search, or can we do that? Oh, wait. No, we're, we're in deep space, aren't we? we yeah, unfortunately, yeah, you'd I have to that. wait until you get uh, planet side to, to link up. I mean, Adros definitely doesn't have any questions. Uh, can we 
do any sort of a knowledge check to get a sense of whether or not the corpse fleet and Eox proper are really as separated as everyone seems to think? Is there anything like that? Yeah, that's a good question. Let's indeed do a culture check and see who knows what about them. (laughs) Only the third one in a row for Miles. Jeez. Oh, it's going to be that kind of night. Tyler, what have you done? So I I could just take 20 on this because we're in space and we don't have to roll it. But I'll tell you (laughs) what, with with both Andis and uh, Knack, you you both rolled over 20. You, if you haven't been on Eox before, you've probably heard rumblings and all kinds of rumors thrown about that officially, totally, yes, the government, their stance on the corpse fleet is they are traitors, you know, they, they should be hunted down, and they have to disavow, even if it was like your brother that joined the corpse fleet. Boom, you can't can't have any communication with them, you have to turn them into the state as soon as you find out, you know, their whereabouts. That's officially. Uh, you guys have heard through the grapevine unofficially that there are many, many people on Eox that they'll say... They, they hate the corpse fleet. They'll say that they don't believe in the things that they espouse as, you know, Eox being on its own and being able to, to govern itself and not being a part of the pact. But they might indeed secretly support the corpse fleet. So they might wish for the, the fleet to return and, and bring the fight back to, to Eox. But those, those are just rumors. Those are things you, you've heard secondhand, maybe taking a drink in the, the HUD bar before. I actually have a question for our party here. As we are about to land on Eox, who speaks Eoxian that we might be able to have that Randy aid? does. Nack yeah, also does. So three okay. three out of five speak it. Good. So good. That might help us out with some eavesdropping, maybe. So let's go ahead. So, hold on. Side note. Did we ever find out what the package that we delivered to Nora was? I don't think so. Uh, no. The only thing we knew is that when we were back in his offices, uh, Rainy sn- was able to like catch a glance through a very. Like, oh, a, and it was a person. A, yes. Okay. It, yeah, the 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 box definitely had some kind of coffin-sized containment unit. Uh, okay. Or stasis box. Okay, I was just thinking about Eoxians we'd met. So, All right. Right. So let's get to Eox. It only takes you from K nine two zero four to the planet itself a day which is pretty remarkable. That's about as fast as you can traveling through the drift. Get there. Just, uh, uh, I think, going from, from Castroville out to the Diaspora was, what, five days? It, it took, you know, five times as long. And that's just the nature of drift travel itself. But as you exit drift space the next day, your ship settles, comes back into to normal space, and you find yourself in, in a wide, far orbit around Eox. It's this gray dead world and in person uh, this is probably the, the first time many of you have seen it it's a, a charred husk of a planet what well, looks more like a, a massive gray moon but uh, the entirety uh, is fully visible except for a few places where there's a thin haze of greenish yellow smog covering the, the barren landscape massive craters and cliff faces jut out at odd angles and there is a hundreds and hundreds of miles wide single concave caldera that that you can see has like active volcanic activity in 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 the the middle 
miles wide. And that's one of the only main sources of light you see down there on the surface, save for as you circle over to the night side, a few small pinpricks below in the form of what look like bubble cities and, and metropolises. So as you approach and are getting closer to Eox, you're hailed by a space station above the planet's surface, and you get an audio message um, to the Drift Rider, and it says, This is Sentinel Control. Vessel Drift Rider, maintain current course and heading. Please identify yourself and relay your destination. Alindra puts a, a hand over the microphone and turns to her crew. Um... What do we say, guys? I mean, didn't didn't they say? Uh, didn't Chixix say that uh, word had been put ahead that we were coming to see Juanita trucks? Yeah, I think you could go ahead and tell them who we are and where we're all going. All right. Just all make right. sure you say it all creepy so that we fit in. <laughs> oh gosh, should should someone who speaks Eoxian say it so we blend in? You you uh, were hailed in, in common, so. Yeah. All right, all right. I really don't want to talk to these people. All right. Um, Racist. <laughs> was, was the mic <laughs> live? Those people? Uh, when you, was the mic live when you said that? Uh, those <laughs> undead people that you hear about. What do you mean, those people? <laughs> Swear to me. <laughs> this is the Drift Rider. We are Starfinder Society members, and we have been sent to meet with Juanita Trucks. There's probably like a good minute of dead air. Get it? Dead air. And, they, oh. and welcome to Yogg. So it's going to be nothing but zombie and undead jokes for the next few episodes. Uh, they, they come back on the mic and say, We have your manifest from the Starfinder Society. You are cleared for landing in Orphase port. You will need to submit to customs and immigration control at the spaceport. Have your documents in order. We certainly will. Thank you. Uh, Captain, do you think that uh, if the ship's going to get inspected, is there anything, I don't know, like six alien eggs that might want to <laughs> not be in plain sight? That's actually a good point. Um, or, or a dog. Uh, I mean, I think the dog is probably, probably fine. fine. But, uh, Just drop him on the planet, see what Jack, happens. Johnny Depp got in trouble for that recently. So. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, let's not be Johnny Depp. Why, why don't Adros, you give me a pirate profession role, see if you can come up with a, a nice solution to this problem. 23. All right, yeah. So you know the way that uh, Alira Aquana operates. She, in almost every major spaceport, has kind of like a dead drop. And once you get to down to the planet, you'd be able to pretty easily identify it and, and drop the eggs off. And, and that's what she wanted you to do anyway. Yeah. Is, yeah, just kind of crate them and leave them on the back of a truck to be picked up later. Okay, I'll... Uh, so, no problems there. Okay, well, I might have... I brought it up and I might have a solution. A lot of pirates use dead drop locations. I'm pretty familiar with Aquana and once we're down on the planet, I could probably find her dead drop and leave the eggs there. Good, I'll, I'll be glad to be rid of the eggs. Me too. Right, so as you get closer to the planet, going through the, the thin atmosphere, you get another signal coming in. This time, a, a audio and visual uh, from a private channel on a ship called the Exemplarion. You want to pick up? Sure. Exemplarion? Exemplarion. As you answer it on your main viewing screen is a undead creature with a pencil-thin mustache a fine purple and turquoise suit. And as he smiles, a row of false dentures <gasps> gleam at you all. And he says, 
allow me to introduce myself, Starfinders. Though I am sure I require no introduction. The name's Zoe. Hi, Zoe. Can I roll a culture check to know who this guy is? Yes. Yes, please. Culture do. away. Roll the 13. Probably not. Oh, boy. Couple couple 13s here. Anybody? Anybody else? Mm. All right. So, Raimi, it, it doesn't seem like anybody else here knows, but you, having seen it on a few cultists of devourers channels, uh, maybe watch some of the Infosphere feeds yourself, you recognize this character, <laughs> as Zoe, as the producer and host of many popular Eoxian reality TV shows, such as Blood Royale, Live Exploration Extreme, and a host of other primetime smash hits. Okay. So I, I relay that to them. I, I don't personally care who he is, but they I, they might like him. Yeah, yeah. Well, you at least know stature. You know who right. this guy is. So. I, I, I don't know who this person is. Yeah, I don't watch that. Uh, looks around Thanks confused. Bravo. Mm, yeah, no. Space Bravo. <laughs> yeah, I, I only watch. I only watch The Bachelor. I'm sorry. I think the effect is. It's not going through if I don't get a picture of you. And I apologize. I don't have that ready. Let me go. Let me search for that real quick. Are you searching for I a know, picture this of is, Zoe? This is the guy that's in Packed Worlds, right? Yes. This is this is Zoe from the Packed Worlds, and it's uh, it, it, yeah, it is indeed. Yes. It's a Zoe exclamation point. I even wrote that in my notes with an exclamation point. Yeah, because it's part of his name. I actually didn't even realize that. <laughs> so here is a picture of Zoe. Uh, he looks like French Stewart now. Like, yeah, no, French no. Stewart woke up this morning and was like, I'm gonna have a good day. The little dick. No, it was like, I'm gonna have a good day. Yeah. And, 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 uh, well, and this this episode's crit bit is French Stewart collapsed back at Miles. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the hot fire mixtape uh, clapback that you've all been waiting for. French Stewart v miles oh boy so that this yeah he's uh, for you listening at home and undead like a, a skeletal zombie like figure with a pencil thin mustache looks like a used car dealer which jella with a microphone i mean he with looks a like a game show host well that's I what mean, he is that's what he is yeah, yeah. it, it so looks he- like you would expect <laughs> You're getting a personal communique from him. He continues on and says, <clears throat> I am so happy that Edros and you others have decided to grace us with your presence. Let's cut the small talk and get down to business. I run a number of hot commodities on the Infosphere, streams and, and content that leverage more downloads than some other whole networks combined. I've given resources and funds back to your Starfinder Society before and have already cleared all the legal red tape with your handler Chiskisk, but I wanted to offer you a quick contract and entice you with some offers of fame, fortune, and flimflam up the wazoo. What do you have to say to that? A hard pass. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it depends on the contract, Mr. Zoe. Ha <laughs> Edros, your candor. I love it. One night's work. You come down. We have a little battle. Film it as part of a Starfinder live event special. For a few hours' work, I have a bevy of prizes totaling 25,000 credits for you all. Not too bad if I do say so myself. And it's like covers up the microphone and the camera and it's like, you guys, it's 25,000 credits. I think we should do it. We 
can take this. We can do this. <laughs> Hang on, Zoe. We'll be right back. Okay, guys, we can I'm totally do this. <laughs> I'm, I'm super, super excited that every uh, assassin, pirate, and corpse member will know exactly the where the person they're hunting is. But it's 25,000 credits. Think of it. And you can turn yourself invisible, so... There's also that. Yeah, that didn't last very long. Do you guys all... don't seem to know how magic works. Do we all have to participate? Oh, it's an all-or-nothing deal, my dear. Oh. <laughs> all-or-nothing. Yeah. The fight this. isn't... It's not a fixed fight, is it? Oh, of course not. You could easily die. Who exactly but... would we be fighting? Listen, I'd love to go over the details. I'll need you to come down and meet me in person. Just travel on over to the Orphe's Splatter Dome and join the party here and, well, we'll talk terms. We'll see you there, Zo. Can I sense motive on Zo right now? Please do. Oof, 16. Yeah, it is. Um, so, yeah, no, seems to be fairly on the level from what you're able to tell. Definitely a fast talker such as yourself, though. Seems to be what... <laughs> Zoe does for a living. Yeah, I, I got. It seems to be on the level, but uh, we'll see. It's a lot of scratch, and we're gonna need it for for some of the stuff we have going on on this planet. Could be a lot of weapon upgrades, or armor upgrades, or uh, ship upgrades. Yeah, uh, we got. We almost got wrecked by those corpse fleet goons. Uh, sorry, Zoe. Uh, so uh, maybe we should uh, take him up on this offer. I agree. We can at least discuss it. Yeah, so it, they, they send over, they beam some coordinates, and it's, yeah, uh, the same city that you were going to, so no problem there. And just tell you to, to touch down and, and go through customs and meet, them, meet up with them, and then they sign off. I used to never have to go through customs. Having to go through customs now all the time is actually rather tedious. It's part of spacefaring. Yeah, that's what happens when you're on the legit side, buddy. <sighs> I guess. <laughs> Mondays. <laughs> uh, right, so let's... Uh, uh, before let's before, we, before the... we disembark, Knack is going to activate his hollow skin to just look like a different coloration of fur. Like a brown and tan furred Isoki. Fall colors, uh, Knack. Uh, Knack, I see you've been hitting the uh, tanning salon. Good it's, on you. It's my player two uh, skin. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a topical joke. I like it. <laughs> Uh, video games. <laughs> His name is Luigi now. <laughs> <laughs> Luigi <Actually>. Hardcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined my joke. <laughs> so, Nack, I, I mean, Alendra, seeing that he has uh, opted to change his appearance, Nack, do you know anyone on, on Eox who might recognize you? Considering the last time we dealt with Eoxians, we ended up all over the infosphere, I kind of want to do anything to try to cover our tracks, if you understand. I mean, you're, you're, you're still with us. I, so. could, I yeah. could be a completely different guy. The thing about Ahsoki is that... Oh. It, they picked up another Ahsoki on that team. Hey. <laughs> I mean. Plenty of people in this galaxy that think all Ahsoki look alike, so. Uh. Yeah. Well, considering that our friend here is a known swindler who also speaks Eoxian, which I'm sure was a purely scholarly venture for him, I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't want to hide his appearance. Right, Nack? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's. Let's cut to the planet Eox, the Drift Rider passing through a haze of acidic clouds, touching down at the Orphase spaceport. You're all met by customs agents who inspect the ship top to bottom, clear it for travel along the planet. 
and you all are required to go through emigration. And as you get to the building, there's a long line of undead creatures from ghouls to skeletons, celebrians to berets, and all manner of different alien creatures from the Diaspora and Leavara. The line takes over an hour. Uh, if you're to, to stand in it right now. <laughs> Do we have it, to make it's... will checks to avoid being bored? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or, you know, you just, uh, I think it's like Confucian, you immediately just start hitting yourself in the head. <laughs> because <laughs> it's like the DMV, this line. So yeah, it'll, it'll take some time. It seems like here on Eox, they love their bureaucracy. You're required to go through three separate agents that stamp your your digital passes and let you through to travel on the planet for you're you're cleared for the next week, uh, right? But then you are allowed to return to the drift rider and and fly it over town if you'd like to the location that Zoe mentioned. Before we do that, do you mind if I make an engineering check? Just and this is a little bit paranoid about about the ship, and so. Yeah, what do you what do you want to do? I just sort of want to, you know, check over the systems, make sure that nothing's been that everything's still in order, nothing's been like unplugged or anything like that. Yeah, it, it seems like they did perhaps open up some of the like compartments and things like that on on the the hull of the ship. You know, checked everything, but it. it um, I, I can tell you, even without making the roll, it, nothing's altered that you can see. Okay. Nothing. They didn't break anything <laughs> going through the ship. Does okay. that include okay. like a bug check or a surveillance check? Yeah, that I guess would be probably perception if you wanted to take a look at the exterior of the ship. But if you guys just want to take 20 on that, you don't see anything. Okay, cool. Okay. All right. Well, I, um, I do like... I do like the name Splatterdome. Yeah, the, the Splatterdome. Yes, I think if I ever do have a child, maybe I will name maybe the middle name Splatterdome. I gotta work that in somehow. Little little Eddie Splatterdome Veronis. Yeah, I think that has a that has a ring to it that I like. I mean, that would be a great that would be a great gladiatorial name if you, I ever go back to Akaton too. You could you call them little splats. <laughs> that is adorable. Right, so the Splatter Dorm, the, 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 <laughs> the Splatter Dorm is associated with EX University. <laughs> right. Right, right, so the the Splatter Dome looks to be as you get over across the city of Orphase, it, like an arena, like a mega sports arena, crossed with a massive sepulcher, like a a huge undead church, and it is surrounded uh, a, a parking lot and spaceport, nearly a square mile. And along rows of, of vehicles and ships, you see these giant floating digital marquees circling the, the arena, flashing advertisements for Brutaris games, deathmatch competitions, and, and a whole host of other live events that seem to be going on there. As you all are landing the, the Drift Rider, you're, you're met by security and guided into a back lot. Uh, they, they usher you into the building. And you're led to a large room with several comfortable hover chairs, a, a large wide desk, and a bank of computer screens displaying hundreds of different channels and streams of Eoxian television. Behind the desk, you see this thin undead, very sharply dressed and sipping on a tall glass of black milk smoothie. In one hand, he's, he's drinking it through a, a very long, twirly straw. The other hand, he's crushing a foam stress ball shaped like shaped like a decapitated head. 
it's so and he he welcomes you in and says starfinders friends come in take a seat i'm so excited to get a chance to work with you all edros i am a big fan my man I'm excited to get a chance to work with the Lizard of the Rock himself. Did you know that your name was more searched last month on the Infosphere than Strawberry Machine Cake? And their album just dropped, so that's kind of a big thing. It's the kind of brand recognition we are looking for here at Zoe Production. Uh, Ed Ross looks very confused and embarrassed. <laughs> He's not used to somebody who can talk this fast and deal with this, so mm-hmm. I think he would just be like, um, I, I mean, I'm always happy to be of service or to help out with people, and uh, I, I can't believe that anybody has taken such an interest in my name, but... <laughs> well, it's not the name itself, but it's the person attached to it, too. He claps you on the back and uh, will, you know, greet everyone else in turn, but he seems to be given a, a good deal of uh, massaging to Edros. I don't get negative levels, do I? <laughs> no, no negative levels. And just okay. the, the grating bony touch of Zoe. Oh, oh uh, Edros, Edros is noticeably uncomfortable. <laughs> Zoe, Zoe offers you guys some, some drinks, some food, anything you need. Uh, Make a small whiskey. talk. Oh, he's got that. <laughs> Uh, a skeletal attendant appears from seemingly nowhere, just kind of like stands up from behind the desk and, and fetches you uh, <laughs> not, not only a, a, a couple of tumblers, but a, a fine bottle, a fine Yoxian uh, vintage. The rabbi just pulls the cork off with his teeth and just drinks out of the bottle. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Anybody else need anything? Uh, um, I'll have water. Okay. So, uh, Bold choice, Edros. <laughs> <laughs> really? Nice. Okay. Well, what do you want to ask Mac? So, uh, Mr. Zoe, I, uh, my name's, uh, my name's Gra- Glam Scrabbles, and uh, I'm, uh, the, uh, the agent for Mr. Varanus here. Uh, you know, we have been... <laughs> We have been uh, uh, talking and discussing your offer, and as you just previously mentioned, uh, he was even more searched last month than Strawberry Machine Cake. And if you think he's going to get out of bed for less than 40,000 credits for this uh, little event you've got, then maybe we should take our business elsewhere. Oh boy, that was, that was a lot of, <laughs> whole lot of nothing there. So go ahead and roll me a, a uh, liar, liar, pants on fire. Uh, <laughs> called. That's a 17 on the die, so a 30. <laughs> um, what's, uh, Zoe looks at you and says, Blam, I'm happy to meet you, but uh, the deal I was talking about it's not for something as paltry as credits. I'm sure you all can make credits any way you please. It's prizes. Prizes that you will not be able to get anywhere else. Totaling 25,000 credits. And this is just their, their shoulders just slump a little bit. Mm. <laughs> but maybe maybe I should explain. It's a simple deal. You step into the arena, flash some weapons, ooh and ah the audience, and walk out of here with augmentations, tech, and Eoxian devices that you will not be able to get anywhere else. I've got the contract all ready to go and can produce this show within a few hours. All I need you to do is sign on the dotted line, folks. He produces a very large data pad with a ornate digital contract in Eoxian script. It seems to be many, many pages long. Can I sense motive on uh, the, to see if he's... Uh, on the paper? 
Oh, damn it, I was going to say it. <laughs> or on the guy that's handing us the paper. Do you, do you want to read it over? Uh, give me a, a culture check. To... Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. All right. It's 11 on the die, so 22. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to add my expertise to that. It's an additional uh, six on that. So 20, nice. 28. Right, so it is indeed about 50 pages of digital contract material and a lot of it is liability stuff and it seems like people that enter the splatter dome believe it or not there are deaths and they a lot of this is indemnifying the production company against any injury or death you might face but it seems like a, a pretty pretty straight contract for what seems to be a a fight a televised fight that you all can can jump into and then some some words in there about prizes, things that you would not be able to get elsewhere. So, uh, I, question: How do, how exactly does this game work? Like, do we know that? I mean, can we find out what the rules are? Oh yeah. So, you, I mean, you can ask that, and, and Zoe will say, "You go in, you fight something, and then you pop out. We take some gladiatorial schlub or some creature voted on by the fans, of course, and you knock him on his butt. Easy peasy, dead rat squeezing. Hey, 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 watch out. I've got a bad feeling about this. Ed Ross is looking at the data pad contract. He's rubbing his head and he goes, I I think I need a serum for my head. And I can't even look at this. It's too hard. (laughs) I mean, I mean, uh, agent, agent of mine. What do you think? Should we sign this? Should we do this? I'm down. Patrick, before we kind of sign away our lives in this thing, uh, is there another computer in here where there, I might be able to find a communication about what we're going to face? Let's see. So he definitely, Zoe, has a, a personal data pad. You can try and, and make a what a, a wireless hack on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one that he's handing over to you, it seems pretty pretty high tech, very high tier computer. So it's going to be pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to go for it. Yeah, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> you find out some info. Uh, 27. No countermeasures, but it is indeed a tier five data pad, and that would not be enough. Okay. Well, pretty sure that's a DC 33, if memory serves. But it, it is, yeah, it, it does seem like it is uh, a goody amount of information that could be, be stored on here. If, if you had more time, perhaps you could dig into his personal communiques, but... Yeah. Bounces you right out. All right. Well, then I'll I'll save that for another day. Well, uh, we're we're here. We've got uh, uh, an audience waiting to to see what we're gonna do about this. That's uh, been voted on by the fans and potentially also members of a show that's being recorded as we speak. Um, I feel like we don't really have much of an option here. We have an option. We can turn around and leave and get back to the the mission. Uh, I don't know. This could be like a fun side vacation. We've been having to fight for goals and purpose for a while. This would just be just plain old fun. Kill something. I've missed that. Yeah, I'm sure that the viewers wouldn't throw something against us that was too dangerous. (laughs) This is getting so meta and I love it. (laughs) I I love this conversation. Back here. Back when I would see the gladiatorial fights on Akaton, it was more about flash and uh, performance. Not all about, you know, what's difficult or serious fighting a 
tactics and whatnot. Uh, I imagine that the Eoxians with their bureaucracy are more more about the entertainment than the challenge. Yeah, and they, they surely want to see us have some kind of a challenge, but they want to see us come out on top and, and, and not kill anybody, or maybe kill one or two of us, maybe at the most, but... Uh... Definitely knack. I feel like there's there's some people out there ready for a soaky blood to be spilt. You guys have never been to Eox, have and you? Sure. And they uh, probably, no. definitely, mostly want us to have fun. Yes. It's almost like I've, really, I've never been to I'd really like to see the face of my brother when I win. <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost like we really don't have a way around this. <laughs> It's almost like the GM wrote this episode. <laughs> if, you guys, if you guys walk away from it, I'm quitting the show. <laughs> Jeez Louise, folks, we need to get to this fight. Are your characters going to sign on that dotted line? Yes. <laughs> yes. Edra signs, and it's very sloppy. And the signs, it is exquisite. G-L-A-M. Scrabbles. <laughs> Scrabbles. Uh, Raimi takes two long gulps of whiskey, sighs, and just scribbles his name down. Uh, yes, team player Raimi. That's what they say, right? <laughs> yeah. that, that, that old chestnut. Oh, uh, right. So, R- Raimi Quinn don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zoe is very excited after he gets the last signature and says excellent we have some great costumes downstairs some alternative weapon skins for you to use in our locker room and we'll come and get you in a bit for the pre-show warm-up you will not want to pass up these flashy duds and arms we have for you all to use they're gonna look great on camera see you in a bit oh oh i've always loved playing dress up (laughs) what kind of weapon skins Right, so you are led down to the pit of the Splatter Dome. It is a wide, dimly lit stone basement. You can hear kind of like the roar of a crowd somewhere far above your heads. But yeah, to reach it, a skeletal attendant takes you to a rickety service elevator and down several levels uh, where you find yourselves in what looks like a dungeon, (laughs) kind of carved from the natural gray stone beneath the, the Colosseum. The smell of blood and decay hangs in the air here. And as you walk along the corridors, you see a a large ghoulish gladiator in a neon purple jumpsuit walk past you, uh, like light up kind of reflector bits on their armor. One of his arms is missing and is bandaged poorly. And he gives, uh, Edros gives you a nod as you pass and and walks to the elevator behind you. In a corner of the, the locker room, you find laid out on some stone tables, Mesh suits that slip seamlessly over your existing armor, and they all have these very bright neon uh, colorations to them. And there are a few ads for local businesses and TV shows on them as well, but uh, they, they just slide over. They're just cosmetic, and uh, they seem to be you know very flashy kind of you know things things so you can easily be be seen by the the camera's eye. Was there anything it, in the contract that stated that we had to wear these? Oh, well, you'll look foolish if you're not. Andis takes the blue one. Oh, blue's spoken for Andis. <laughs> Nack will take purple. Uh, uh, will take I'm sorry. Red. Wait, 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 wait. One, one second. Uh, Yo, who? Who? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Glam will take purple. Glam purple. <laughs> 
Well, it's not like we forgot that he was Knack. <laughs> I did. I forgot all about it. Uh, yeah, you guys. Who the hell is that? <laughs> what, uh, Edros, what color do you want? Uh, I will claim red. Mm. Alindra? Um, green. It goes really well with your eyes. Okay. One of my eyes, yeah. <laughs> Raimi, what about you? He He's not wearing a costume. Ah, uh, well, only yellow is left, so I guess you're stuck with yellow. I repeat, he's not wearing a costume. <laughs> All right, yellow it is. <laughs> uh, and along with the the skins are some weapons laid out. They're they're very similar to the ones that you carry. So if you want to use them, they also have these neon kind of decorations to them, and seem to be made of a a sheer black kind of magical material inlaid with these bright colors and they as you pick them up, sync up to the color of your armor. Can I make a engineering check to see if there's anything special about these? Sure. Uh, that'd be a 32. Woo. Yeah. So it seems like these are the same kind of weapons that you guys are using, but they have some kind of magical fusion on them that have coated their exterior and they do count as magical weapons. Oh, for purposes of like bypassing DR. And they also look very spiffy. So there's a solar weapon equivalent? There is a very similar gluon crystal that kind of gives your blade a sheen, uh, maybe like an, an oily, dark effect to your, your blue moat. Okay. Really? Just for aesthetics purposes. So moving on, <laughs> you're down here, you're you're suiting up, and your, your wounds are all treated too if any of you still have damage from K9204. So it's about an hour and... Uh, as you guys are already, the same, maybe a different <laughs> skeletal attendant l- lifts its arm and, and takes you to another elevator. This one is a, a wide circle, and it's it, it's much much better uh, upkept than the one that brought you down here. The ceiling above you opens as the platform chugs and starts, and then lifts you skywards. Another metallic portal above you opens, and bright lights pour in as you rise up and find yourself. In a large room with about a hundred people in it, dressed in fine tuxedos, shimmering neon sequin dresses, and party clothes that look like they cost hundreds of credits each. As your platform raises up, the room begins to cheer and clap, though you notice many of the undead surrounding you here remain silent. There are a few living beings among the group, uh, a well-to-do human in one corner, a large floating Barathu, as well as a, a... Dragonkin, what looks like bodyguard in, in mirror shades, standing sentry by a doorway. But it seems to be some kind of party you've found yourselves in. Zoe steps to the center of the room and says, Ladies and gentle ghouls gathered here in the vomitorium, I welcome you and to meet and greet our entertainment for this evening, the Starfinders of the Drift Rock, and the one, the only, Edros Varanos. Thank you for the introduction. Um, this is the Starfinders and I, and uh, we we hope that we can entertain and dazzle you tonight. <laughs> uh, they they cheer again. Uh, Zoe comes up to your ears, uh, kind of whispers, maybe a stage whisper, and says, Mingle a bit, press some flesh to bone, and schmooze, babies. The buffet is top-notch, too. Don't miss out on the Eoxian cheeses. Although, if any of you have allergies to bile, I would go easy on it. They're not not—they're not great for the stomach. Thanks for the and advice. Zoe moves off, and as 
he does, Edros, you are immediately swarmed by a number of undead sycophants. Fan boys and girls. They're very interested in the armor skin that you've got, your weapons. Uh, I'm you sorry, get... Patrick. Patrick, did you mean fan ghouls? Oh, boy. Uh. Uh, <laughs> boy, 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 boy. Why didn't I have that pun written down beforehand? <laughs> <laughs> I have failed as GM. Fan <laughs> <laughs> boils and ghouls. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they're they're very interested in, in what you're sporting, Ed Ross, asking you a, a ton of questions. And yeah, you get in, in the span of a few minutes, dozens of questions asked to you. A young ghoulish woman literally hangs on your arm and says, Oh my Ed Ross, what strong arms you have. I bet you can rip an Elikoth in half with those sick pythons. Is that a reptile joke? Oh, I didn't even realize that. That is a reptile joke. <laughs> Good job, GM. Get it. Um, I, you know, it wasn't an Elikoth, but I did have to rip a few Caserics in half when we were actually on Castravel in the wild jungles. Oh, my. A tongue coated in a sticky black ichor falls out of her mouth in a very cartoon coyote style way. She has like a, a three, a three foot long tongue. For real, though, uh, she embarrassedly rolls it back up into her head and gives you goo-goo eyes. I will. Edros would continue to try and chat with everybody and, uh, you know, ma- maintain composure. But he's he's definitely uh, not used to this. So uh... <laughs> if anybody wants an autograph, form a line right here. It's 100 credits per signature. <laughs> I'm glam. <laughs> uh, Ramy, Ramy, what are you doing in the shindig? I'm in the nearest corner trying got- to ignore everything. <laughs> Do you still have the, the, the bottle of whiskey? Uh, of course I do. <laughs> it's my uh, one solace in this world. So as you separate your, yourself a bit from the, the mob around Adros, a very slender Alebrian woman with an enlarged cranium and black veins running beneath her skin uh, comes up to you. She's wearing a matte black dress and very large spiky shoulder pads. And uh, she says, uh, Raimi, is it not? I'm Mariark Kiltressa. I work connections here at the Splatterdome, and I must say, I'm excited to see how your techno magics fare this evening in your match. I have something for you. A small gift if you'd like it. She clutches in her long, lacquered nails an obsidian spell gem encoded with the magic spell of Flight Level 2. Ooh. Don't tell anyone I just slipped you a gem, but I would just love to see you use it in battle. Good luck. Thanks. Why did you give this to me? I am a big fan of yours. I can't wait to see you destroy whatever it is you come up against. You seem to to have an inkling what we might be fighting. Is there any way you could kind of, you know, give me a little hint since you're such a big fan? Ooh, it's time for a diplomacy roll. One of Raimi's best, I'm sure. I have no diplomacy. <laughs> yeah, charisma-based skills. Hey, that... Oh, you literally have no diplomacy. It's a 15 on the dice. Uh, right, so she looks around to make sure that Zoe or, or none of the other producers are within earshot, but she leans in and says, be careful of the shadows. This thing does its, its dirty work in darkness. Good luck. She kind of motions to, to hug. Um, do you want to give her a hug? Uh, I'm not really a hugger, but okay. 
<laughs> so as her long nails kind of wrap around your back, you feel this icy necrotic energy radiating off of her. And it just, just seems to permeate your chest. And yeah, it feels like ice kind of wrapping tendrils around your heart. And uh, yeah, it stops after she kind of moves off. And uh, I'm sure my facial expression is like similar to like Ernest P. Worrell right now. Like, <laughs> Ew. Yeah, it's just, you know, uh, w- what's the expression? Someone's walking on your grave. You get the, the goosebumps. Yes. And Alindra, as you are making your way through the party, Zoe comes back up to you, looks you over and says, Alindra, darling, you look fetching in that. What What is it? Some kind of retro wave, archaic elven armor? It, it is. Um, <laughs> wait, am I not use, wearing like an armor skin right now? Yeah, but he, he saw your armor, I'm sure, before and could, uh, you know, it's really just like a, a couple of lights that you've thrown over your armor, just making it all neon and stuff. Okay, so technically, actually, I'm wearing Golem Forged armor now. Ah. So... But like, like I said, you can just transfer over the, the other bits. If oh, you okay, want. great. The cool. same way uh, you took off, I'm, I'm hoping you guys took off the, the cultist of the devourer, like spikes and <laughs> skulls and things. Yeah, okay, cool. Right, so uh, do, do you want to answer that question again? Yeah, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> is that archaic elven armor? It is. Um, I recovered it after a very ancient elf died. <laughs> <laughs> that is me slapping. Take two. After I chopped an elf in twain, I found it on the dead elf. Is this Zoe or is this a coat check girl? I can't. I, I can't. She's talking to. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. Right. Zoe, Zoe just kind of like nods and goes, uh huh, uh huh. Well, I love it. The cameras are going to absolutely eat it up. And this is going to test through the roof with the hipster paper book loving crowd. I agree. <laughs> you have this sugary, sweet bookworm thing going on. I like it. But I can tell that there's a bad girl inside you just waiting to get out. Are we going to see that bad girl in the splatter dome tonight? If you're referring to my handiness with a sword, I think you will. Mm. Your sword techniques are one thing, but your ferocity is another. I want to see the ferocity that we saw in those drift rock feeds. I'll do my best. It depends on what my foe is, but I think you might see that. And as you're walking around, a hand grasps at your elbow and you are dragged backwards towards a corner of the room and standing before you caked in white makeup with thin black paint over their connection lines is an android in a black dress their hair grown out and chopped in an uneven bob but beneath the disguise you can easily recognize this as clara 247 clara what are you doing here what are you doing here you're going to blow my cover and 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 this, and this gets slightly flustered but uh but I didn't know you were going to be here. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to be here. Well, I didn't know I was going to be here either. You're I just got here to make some credits and... Yeah. I'm working a job. I'm guarding a Barathu businessman. That one over there. If Oh, wait, he's coming up. My name is Floja32, and we are old friends from Steward Service. Ha 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 ha. Good one, Floja. Uh, so, yeah, a large <laughs> Barathu. A floating gas sack of undulating glands and jellyfish-like appendages kind of wanders over in your direction, and you think it's staring at you, or staring in your direction. It's just kind of floating about a foot above 
your head uh, in front of you, Andis. Yeah, Andis is sort of uh, uh, smiling awkwardly in the general direction of it, you know? In your mind, telepathically, you hear greetings. State your business with this one. Oh, uh, you see, me and Floja know each other from way back. You see, we go way back all the way to... And Andis waits for Clara to step in. <laughs> uh, she says, we were in the steward service together. Indeed we were. Oh, we we made stews like you wouldn't believe, sir. <laughs> Do you have a mouth? <laughs> I'd love to make you a stew one day. <laughs> go, go, go ahead. And, uh, Claire's going to roll the, the bluff as well, but I, I'd like to see what Andis <laughs> rolls. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Hey, there it is. Nice. That's right, an 18 so for Andis. They are aiding you. The Barathu says, uh, mm-hmm, okay. Claire247 says, I-, I was just going to introduce you. Uh, this is one of the gladiators tonight. We trained together many years ago. Andis147. How nice to meet you. What was it again? Ganab. How lovely to meet you, Ganab. It uh, telepathically once again pops into your head and says, unsatisfactory. I believe that parts or all of what you have just said to be false. Ending dialogue and resuming mingling. Goodbye. Have a wonderful evening, sir. Ma'am. <laughs> Bang. Brain. Brain. Yeah, just it's um, just like a, a floating stomach. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, and, and this looks back at Clara and says, I think we crushed it. Uh, Clara says, you have to get out of here, Andis. This is dangerous. Why did you and your crew sign up for this? Well, we're, we're trying to get to the bottom of something, and frankly, I don't think we're well enough equipped to handle what we're going up against. This place, it, it's called the Splatter Dome for a reason, and it's not because people spill their black milk here. Well, well we're here now. What do we do? Listen, be, be careful down in the arena. Don't let whatever it is see you bleed. Whatever they are throwing up against you, well, it's it's more than likely to stalk you once it gets a taste. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's go back to Knack or Glam. <laughs> <laughs> Glam Scrabbles. As you're perusing all the, the rich folks and their finery, talking to a dross, displaying their wealth and credits, a cold chill overtakes you. <sighs> You see standing on the far side of the room an Ahsoki woman, and it's a, a figure just at the corner of your eye you haven't seen in many years. Slightly shorter than you, maybe longer in the tooth, but the same grayish fur clinging to her slight figure. She stares at you, Knack, and kind of locks onto you uh, with dead eyes. What would you like to do? Uh, I would like to stealth a w- st- roll a stealth check to try to blend back into the crowd to... to- see if I can break this this eye contact with this person. Gotcha. Right. So as you maybe move through uh, the procession of people ahead of you, the, the room itself kind of begins to move and gather. It seems like Zoe is about to say something, maybe make an announcement. And yeah, it, it seems to work. You don't see this, this person anymore, but you also lose her in the crowd. And after a moment, as, as Zoe is gathering everyone up, your comm unit rings, and it's uh, maybe an, an unlisted number. Some Someone has got your your private number. You don't know who they are. Do you answer? Yes. Putting the comm unit to your ear, you hear a familiar voice say, It is time to pay your debts. 
throw the fight or you will pay the consequences. You're not to hit the monster, not to scratch it once. I'll be watching. The phone goes dead. <laughs> I'm going to ignore that message. A small platform raises up again and Zoe steps forward holding a pencil thin microphone. Behind him, a skeletal attendant carries a large black ornate box. And he says, ladies and gentle dead, it is my pleasure to get to announce tonight's Splatterdome fight. We went through a great deal of trouble and expense to get these five here tonight for your viewing pleasure. And so have decided to pull out all the stops. What we have planned for you tonight are five of the bravest and deadliest Starfinders of the Lower Spire, fresh off of their exploration of the Drift Rock. We have Andis, Nack, Alindra, and Raimi, but the star of tonight's entertainment is the Infosphere's most up-and-coming bad boy, Pirate Marauder, Edros Varanus. Give it up for them, everyone. There's a, a large splattering of applause cheering you get a couple of whistles in Adros's direction Zoho continues on and says in order to capture this carnage that is going to happen downstairs it's in just a moment <laughs> well we have purchased a uh, hundred extra VR simulator cameras to capture every sword swipe every laser blast and certainly every doshko swing but we thought it Best to stick to the old classics of recorded media and get a camera drone. Oh, but not just any camera bot would do. Oh, no. 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 That's right. <laughs> Starfinders, I'm pleased to help reacquaint you with your old friend. The box opens up and a familiar robot flies out. And it says, it's me, Robob. Hi, everybody. <laughs> get him. Robob! Oh, you thought thought I was joking about bringing him back. Nope, Robob is here again. I can't believe my scales. Remy takes a large, large swig of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, the GM is not going to make you uh, make fortitude saves at any point during the fight in a little bit. Oh, uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Robob uh, flies over all of your heads and, and says, Did you all miss me? I, I can't wait to record and capture this battle. Maybe win some more Infosphere awards. Uh, I'm hotter than the surface of the sun right now. Ooh. Raimi, is any of that left? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, some. I am actually quite happy to see you. I mean, because of oh. you, I have gained a lot of attention. So, uh, yeah. now that I think about it, is that a good thing? Yeah, oh, you and me, Adros. We're gonna we're gonna meet famous again. I can't wait. Let's get to it. Hey, uh, Patrick, how close is Rob to me right, right now? Well, yeah, like arms length, probably. Oh, great. Uh, what level tier is computer? Is that? Uh, <laughs> great question. Why don't you make a computer's check? See if you can hack in it. I will. Twenty <laughs> four. Uh, yeah, that's that's enough. Ooh. <laughs> okay. It's uh, uh, like see. a tier tier three AI computer. Uh, okay, um, so are, are there any files stored locally on Robob right now? Or nope. is, is it is it just sort of like the it just sees it's like feeding uh, or it's just like feeding uh, the video? Yeah, it actually it doesn't seem to be broadcasting. Perhaps that feature is turned off on the drone. It is recording to a, a local storage site within the drone itself right now. Okay, I see. It seems to have maybe a few beefed up features from the last time you you spotted. Raw Bob on on the drift rock. Okay, uh, right, I'm just gonna just I'm just gonna hang on to 
All right. Well, I'm just, I'm just gonna hang on to it. Yeah. Uh, no, it, and, uh, it it flies over to your shoulder, and it's like, what what you doing in my head, Andis? <laughs> just just saying, hey. Hey, hey, buddy! I can't wait to record you again. Creepy. That's my job. That's all I do. That's what I am. <laughs> I was literally made for that. So yeah, I'm, I'm frankly trying to see if I can gain some control over Rabob so that I could uh, potentially use it to distract an enemy in the fight. That could be fun. So yeah, Zoe says to you all, "I hope you all enjoy this treat. I had to pay the Yoxian ambassador on Absalom a fortune to get access to this little guy. Its skills are in high demand as a videographer." Well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad Givalarsk was kind enough to give him up. Zoe goes back to the crowd and says, "So, without further ado, let's get to the carnage. Let's get to the mayhem, and let's get to the blood sprays, lights, camera, fight." You are all led back to the small platform that detaches itself from the skybox you're in and descends into a very dimly lit arena. It is hundreds and hundreds of... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Once again, I have to stop you. I'm sorry. Luigi. Luigi (laughs) is what I said. (laughs) Uh, Even though Zoe a few minutes ago did uh, introduce Knack to the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) We are committing to the fiction. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like he he noticed that you're trying to change identity didn't care <laughs> just yeah. read from the script <laughs> miles you said ramy has got dark vision as well yeah and I, I got uh he also has infrared on his goggles yeah which gives you dark vision you can kind of see shapes out what 60 feet in, yeah. in the darkness so not like colors or anything uh edros elintra what about you guys i don't i have a moat that's it Right, so not only is your your weapon giving off some light, but your armor is as well, so you can see around you. Edros? Uh, Edros cannot see. Excellent. So you've got the same, like, a five-foot bit of light around you. And, yeah, why why don't we start this combat off with a a perception check? Can I ask a question about sort of how vision works in a situation like this? Yeah, sure. So um, let's say that Andis is sort of off like 30 feet away. Mm-hmm. Everyone would be able to see five feet around Andis, right? Because I'm illuminating the five feet around me. Oh, yes, correct. So your, your armor, if you were standing next to, say, one of these stone columns, people would be able to see that column. You're, you're, okay. you're Got it. sparkling, if my notes serve me correctly, with a, a nice neon blue. Got it. Already, so we've made some perception checks. Oh, a couple of good ones here, particularly Andis's. <laughs> that's that. That's that Rabob vision. <laughs> uh, whatever it is that you guys are up against, let's see. A thirty-three on a perception check is not going to see it, as it is. Holy sk- cow! Gulking through the shadows. You can kind of feel, you know, electricity in the air, something moving out there in the dark. Don't see it until it moves straight through your group and comes up the seven foot tall black obsidian figure standing right over Raimi. It is shaped like a person, but it it's kind of wielding these sword-like appendages, these long, sharp arms. The figure, jet black, seems to absorb the light coming off of your your suits. It comes right up over the top of you, Raimi, and makes an attack. Mm. 
maybe now is the time that I should mention. This is our Monster March fan submission winner. Oh, good. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Which I am super excited about. Patrick, who is the who is the monster that submitted this bad boy? <laughs> so, if you're listening out there, Colin, you might get that player killed tonight <laughs> with with your submission, and we'll uh, we'll figure out what this is. Maybe you guys can roll some mysticism checks if you if you see it. Uh, well, right now, I need to know, Miles, what is Rainey's KAC? Uh, his KAC uh, twenty two. A 22. Okay, I've rolled a 5 on the dice. Miles, this thing comes up behind you, but maybe, yeah, like the same feeling you got when when the uh, Alebrian woman uh, hugged you, you you just feel like these icy tendrils wrap around your heart, and it actually has failed its stealth check. I've rolled a a 3 on the dice here in order to get trick attack damage added into this one. Oh. Uh, because this thing, this monster, has levels as if it was an operative and a real <laughs> deadly dangerous one. I've rolled a five on the dice. That is a hit. So it is 14 points of damage on <laughs> Raimi. And I'm going to add them into the turn order. And we are in standard turn order first is Edros Veronis. This thing, you didn't even see it walk right past you up to your, your good pal, Raimi. But yeah, it's standing next to you and has just slashed into his back. Oh, man, dang. Okay, um, well, I suppose I would have my nice glittered uh, curved blade out and <laughs> uh, it's just right there. So I just kind of even just reflexively, you know, lash out twice. So Already. Uh, yeah, let's just uh, give it a shot. Slap at the monster. First attack with the fancy curved blade is going to be a 29 to hit. That is going to be a hit. All right. 17 points of damage. All right. So as your blade sinks into this monster, this beast that our our, our good friend and listener made up, uh, it it doesn't seem to do as much damage because your blade like goes through its chest and it doesn't seem to connect any bone or any like muscle tissue. Yeah, so you cut what seems to be you know pounds of its dark flesh out of its torso. It falls to the ground and it begins to pool up. It looks like a, a ferrous black puddle. It seems like the entire body of this creature is made out of some kind of very expensive liquid carbon, um, a, a very tough, incredibly tough, resilient nanotech. Oh my, okay, yeah, I mean, Adros has never seen anything like this. It probably does not put him at ease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, I think he would just would just shout out, just, everybody get away from this thing. It's its body isn't solid. It's some kind of liquid. I don't know. And oh. uh, while he while he swings again. All right. It's going to be a, ugh, not as good, 16. Second one misses as it turns its direction towards you. Lightly uh, jumps out of the way of that attack. Let's go on next in the turn order. We've got Nax Zizrak. Nax thinks about the the message that he received uh, before this fight, and mm-hmm. he quickly pulls out his disintegrator pistol, his liquidator pistol. Ooh! Points it at the pooling mass of of a bad guy here. Get him! Oh yeah! And, New knack attack time. And fires. 
and rolls <laughs> a natural one. Man, rest what in a peace, Nag. Time for that. I love Starfinder so much, oh, guys. My. Rest oh. in peace, Nag. Oh, oh man. Uh, you guys. As you guys remember from back in February, thanks to all of our submitters for our, our Cosmic Crit Challenges, we've got a pretty nice deck of critical failures. You can find it on our website, CosmicCrit.com. I like using them because they're, they're fun. Whenever you roll one on attack, if it's also a, a critical failure, which means with all the bonuses it would you know, still miss, then there are melee, ranged, and magical critical uh, effects in the deck. And this is a ranged attack. This is submitted by Grant. The, it's called Kachunk. The grip on your gun wasn't good enough, and a kickback causes the gun to smack you in the face. You take uh, 1d6 damage and take negative 2 to attack rolls for the next round. You want to roll your damage? 3. All righty, not, 3. Not. 3 points of damage. Not. Yeah. <laughs> that was your standard. Do you want to make a move action? Uh, yeah, I think I am going to move uh, down here a little bit, just a little bit to the south to get kind of one more clear shot. All right, moving about 15 feet away from this beast. And let's go next in the turn order, Andis, 147. Andis, Andis shouts, Raimi, step back, and holds their action. Okay. Hold, or holds their turn. Uh, over the top of you, uh, Rob Hub, talking to you, Raimi, is like, oh man, that looked like it hurt. Are you okay? You want me to see if I can call off the fight? Raimi just gives Rob Hub the finger. <laughs> A classic Raimi move. I think that's two New Jersey State birds in a row. <laughs> uh, let's let's go next in the turn order because we're dropping Andis down. Alindra, what you got, Alindra? <sighs> can I consult my team? Yep, but let's okay. let's make it snappy. Yeah, I'll make it snappy. So I can either uh, leave a trail of flame using Blazing Orbit and try to get away from it and shoot it, or I can attempt a slashing with my solar weapon, but a dross was not successful, so I'm thinking that's not going to work. Well, a dross was using the curved blade, which is not any kind of elemental damage does your solar weapon do any kind no of i do kinetic damage like it's slashing it's the same. i mean i mean i i think no matter what no matter what we hit it with it's probably going to resist at least some damage so the the best thing to do is just hit it as much as we possibly can you could if you wanted to use your blazing orbit i would wait until Raimi moves backwards and then you could literally create a box around us so that if it tried to move out of the box that turn it would at least take some fire damage but yeah um, okay, so you think I should try a full attack then? I would. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You've got you've got get him and you've got a dross flanking. So. Okay, so I'm gonna do a full attack. I'm flanking with a dross, and that is a 15 to attack. Right. 15 is gonna be a miss. All right. Let's try an, again. That's a 17. Both of those are misses, unfortunately. Ooh, yeah, this fight's gonna be a, a rough one. I can already tell. Um, so two misses. Let's take it to Raimi. Miles, you've just been slashed up by this this tall, freakish thing. So, you know, there's a hot flash of pain and Raimi's back and he just kind of spins around and casts Jolting Surge. Mmm. <laughs> hey -o. pretty good. Uh, so that's plus two for um, get him. So that's a 24. Right. And yeah, with get him, that is a touch EAC attack. Is that right? You're just reaching out and yep. and slapping this thing. That is a hit. Yeah. For 21 points of damage. Ooh, 
nice, nice, nice. And, and then uh, Raimi's gonna move back, which is right behind Andis. Okay, so that is a move that could provoke an attack of opportunity. Are you sure that's something you wanna do? Already, and I've rolled a 12 on the dice, that's a hit. It slashes at you as you go, only for another nine damage, so not that bad. Not that bad at all. So we've gone through the turn order to Andis, who's held. Now you've got a, um, I'm sure, a clear, unobstructed shot at this thing. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, and just to clarify, Idris is giving me a plus one? Correct. Okay. For being adjacent, but not impeding the shot. Okay. Andis is going to track with a move action and take a shot with the Corona laser rifle. Oh, that's a wrong I shoot now. Frog. Oh my gosh. Two in one round. No, boy. It's so good. It's so good. Um, Right. So this is submitted by Cole. Uh, This ranged critical failure. It's called ammunition explosion. The battery or magazine detonates in your gun. It deals 1d4 damage to you. It renders the weapon useless until repaired by a standard action DC 15 engineering check, which I imagine you can do pretty easily. Wow. Yeah, that's that, that would be an auto succeed. It's just going to take a standard to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, you waste a turn. All right, two natural ones in this round. Let's uh, let's go to turn two. See if you guys have better luck. This creature standing head and shoulders above Alindra, maybe about on the level of Edros, takes a look at the the two that are surrounding it, Alindra and Edros, and it's going to make an attack against Alindra. Alindra, what is your KAC these days? 23. Excellent, excellent. So a 23. I've rolled an eight on the dice. That is going to be a hit. But it gets 1d6 electricity damage for hitting me. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> who, do you who do you think you are? What? What? Is, that's your your upgrade that you got, your armor. Yeah, upgrade. electrostatic field, Mark 1. Go ahead and roll that for me. That's a 3. All right. It doesn't seem to care at all about that damage. Yeah. Soaks it up. It uh, doesn't seem to go past, like, its bladed arm that, you know, it kind of dips and dodges around the back side of you. And, yeah, so it's going to, as part of its... Uh, a move action at Dross and Alindra are going to be able to make an attack of opportunity here. It circles around the backside of Alindra, hiding in the shadows, comes up on your flank and vivisects your back, doing trick attack damage, doing a, a good deal of damage here. Do I roll my attack now? Let me let me first get this attack okay. damage in. Uh, maybe we're lucky and it's not a lot. Oh, oh lord. Okay, I take it back. Yeah. It is 26 points of damage. I mean, punk. <laughs> it's, yeah, slices into your, your backside. It seemed to be, yeah, using the shadows here in the arena to its advantage. Doing doing a lot of damage on that trick attack. But go ahead and Alindra and Adros make your attacks of opportunity. It's an 18. Uh, so this will include Nax Gidim, right? Which is still on until his turn. It's a 20. So, okay. 20 against its KAC. It's a miss. Yeah. What you got, Adros? It's a big doll. Oh, it's a natural one. Rocking prog. <laughs> this is the best fight ever, guys. Hey, can we say no cards on attacks of opportunity? Oh, I wish, but no, that's that's not. In the, that's literally not in the cards. Uh, you don't have to make the attacks of opportunity. That is that is the oh, thing. Okay, though. then I won't take it. 
<laughs> you already rolled it. <laughs> oh boy, are you ready for this, Tyler? Yes, I am. My body is ready. Submitted by Kodiak, one of our definitely most sadistic fans out there. This is called "You Played Yourself." Congratulations, you scored a critical hit on yourself. Oh, no. Resolve critical effects normally and apply it to the failing character. So we've got the damage already rolled up here. Go ahead and roll that damage again. I take bleed damage. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really bad. Okay, I'll roll another attack for damage. I did 21 points of damage for a phase at home on on the first attack. Second attack, I'm going to add 17 to it for a total of 38 points of damage now. I do have DR against those, but um, suffice to say, that pretty much halves my stamina. Don't worry about it, though, because you're not the only one bleeding right now, Adros. Alindra, you also... Uh, as you feel this thing stab into your back, feel a huge amount of blood gushing out of the wound. You are going to take eight points of bleed damage on your turn. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. Which it is, that was its attack. It is Adros's turn. Tyler. Okay, I take 1d6 points to bleed. Four points of bleed. Ah, uh, yes. And the Splatter Dome has already paid for its name. <laughs> As far as damages go. So because this creature is standing next to Alindra and she's giving off light, I can still see him. So I know where he is. Correct. I know where it is. It it was making stealth rolls to get behind Alindra for that trick attack, but it is still within her light. Okay. Um, boy. Boy, boy, boy. Okay, I'm going to move in between Andis and the creature, because I don't want the creature to step up and try and go after Andis, uh, but Andis will still be able to move and get a clear shot on him. Okay, yep, so moving uh, up to attack? Yep, and apologies as I look up a rule really quick. What's the rule? I just want to see if doing this ability ca- uh, provokes attack sub opportunity. I do not believe it does. All, nope. Although at least it, it, it does doesn't. not say. No. Range attacks, magic, and moving. Three things okay. that uh, do provoke. So uh, I believe I could do this. You'll have to let me know um, something brand new. So you see Idros is super hurt, and he's he's pissed off. He's hit himself. He you know he hates his weapon right now. And so <laughs> instead of swinging, he's going to... He's going to inhale deeply and you see gouts of fire begin to come out between his teeth. And then you just, a blast of fire just lights up the stadium as he spits out a 15-foot cone of flame directly into this monster's face. Is this the Dragon Clan? That it is. Ooh, fun. This is the Wormling Dragon Clan that uh, he had implanted a while ago uh, that he has just never really had the opportunity to use. He's never been angry enough to use, but now, mm-hmm. you know, Saren Ray, fire. You get the dragon. the moment and uh, does 3d6 points of damage, uh, hoping this is more effective. So, of not very much. <laughs> Rolled very poorly. Uh, only eight points of damage. Uh, DC, uh, and there's a uh, DC for it. It gets a reflex save, is that correct? Yeah, DC is 10 plus... I want to say... I can tell you I've rolled a 17, and this thing does make it, so half damage. All right. Half damage. Four points of damage. Yeah. Oh, well. It, it seems to, yeah, just dodge out of the way of almost all of these uh, gouts of flame that you spit. It hits mostly the stone pillar behind it, 
It uh, it doesn't seem to take much of that damage at all. Damn. Bringing us next in the turn order back to Naxizrak. Idras, good job getting in there. Uh, we've got to keep everything together. Need you to put some pressure on, buddy. You can do it. Inspiring boost. That's 16 stamina back to Idras. Ooh, I need that. And, and everybody keep the pressure on him. Get him. And that is plus two to attacks against, etc., etc. We know it. Get him. Now, your inspiring boost, is, that's still a standard action now, right? Yes. But so you're get, just regular get him. Yes. Right? I, 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 yes. Action. I'm using get him as a move action, which I can still do. Awesome. Then let's go on to next in turn order, Alindra of Alice. All right. So I have a plan. I'm going to use my blazing orbit to move. Mm-hmm. When to go five feet, ten feet, fifteen feet, twenty feet to here. So all of those spaces are on fire now. Right. So you leave behind you, yeah, just massive flames that kind of spark out out of uh, nothingness and light the floor on fire of the arena. Yeah. And now I'm going to use Cellar Rush to attempt to bull rush this uh, thing into the fire that I left. <laughs> Is Wow, Blazing Orbit is, it doesn't even take a standard action. You no, it's a move action. It. Oh, jeez. So wow. <laughs> You're so excited about that. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Wow, okay, so uh, you, you'd have to go a little bit further to, to be able to, to charge, but you could easily do that in your, your Stellarian Rush in for an attack? No, for a Bull Rush. Oh, Bull Rush attempt. Okay, go ahead and make that. I'm not gonna lie, it's gonna be pretty, pretty high KAC. That's a 23. Mm, 25 with the get em, but that is still not enough Ugh. for the, the bull rush. Yeah. But they still take 3d6 fire damage. Ah, right. Is it 3d6 at this level? Uh, yes. As of 6th level, it goes up by 1d6. Sweet. Go ahead and roll it and see what happens. I think it's an 11. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, I didn't see it there. So 11 points of damage. I'm going to take my reflex save for the creature we have yet to identify. So that is the DC of it is 17. I have rolled a 16. So Yay. it has failed, taking that yes. full damage. <sighs> Finally. Alrighty. Good, good turn there. And it and- gets pushed into the fire, meaning. No, no. I am photon and no, no, no. No, no. You, you, no? Didn't, you didn't succeed the bull rush attempt, unfortunately. Oh no! Yeah, the twenty-three okay. was but not. That's the damage. Okay, okay. Yeah, got it. Got but, it. but what a great plan! <laughs> it succeeded. It would have been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh, I wish reality was like that. But let's go on to <laughs> Ramy Miles. Uh, Raimi is just going to simply cast Magic Missile. All right, Magic Missile, no reflex save for that. You can see this creature and all three of your your bolts knock into it. How much damage are we talking here? So it's going to be 14 points of damage. 14 points of damage, taking most of that damage, a lot of that damage. <laughs> uh, it is still going strong. You see these little pools where you're knocking off nanites, these this black material that's uh, sloughing off onto the ground still looks pretty fast and pretty dangerous. So, and it's 147. We're back to you. I'm going to take a standard action to repair the the uh, the gun, and then I a will, move action to reload it. I will remind you that this is the gun that they gave you in the... Right. Uh, right. You can just throw it away. Yeah, imagine. I, I, I do have another gun. You have a couple of guns, but you also have your regular gun if you want to use that. 
Yeah, I'll I'll just take this one and just like just throw it on the ground and um uh and aim over. So is Edris giving this thing uh, cover against me right now? Um, I think. Or does it have cover? It does not. You can shoot through the flames of the blazing orbit unobstructed. Okay, excellent. Um, then I am going to shoot my gun twice over Edris's shoulder at this monstrous monster monster. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm getting plus three from improved get him and Tyler oh, yes. adjacent. And the adjacent. And then minus one. So that would be a 17 to hit. Oh, you're, you're firing twice? I'm going to fire twice, yeah. Um, against EAC, that is a mess, unfortunately. All right, here we go. Number two. 15 Ooh. to hit. No, that's a, that's a miss, too. Oh, I love all these single-digit rolls. Oh. <laughs> we'll, we'll get I'm them in doing the best three. I can. Turn three coming up. You got more chances right now. But for right now, this figure is basically alone with Alindra Vallis in a circle of fire of her, her own making. <laughs> I'll remind you. I did not do this. Um, I'm going to leave it to fate what, what kind of attacks it wants to make right now. But it's definitely going against... The thing that uh, tried and and burn it here. Yeah, it's going to make another move. So Adras and Alindra, you can make an attack of opportunity. Now? Yep, go for it. We'll do that first. That's a 29. Hey, oh, that's going to hit. Awesome. Uh, 31. Hey, you guys both get a hit in. Go 17 points that. of damage. 17. And Alindra? That'll be 19 points of damage. Uh, a pause in this episode while I do a lot of math. All right, well, this thing is trying to move. It's hemmed in by fire. It disappears behind the column and reappears right behind you, Alindra. And it's going to make another one of its trick attacks. Already, I've rolled a 17 on the dice, so that is definitely a hit. Coming at you with not that much, 24 points of damage. And I will remind you that you are taking an additional eight points of bleed damage. Oh, Okay, so yeah, okay. How you from that, that trick attack, it, it it thankfully missed Raimi with the trick attack turn one, which is pretty crazy because it's got like a twenty one <laughs> bonus to stealth. That is its turn, as it is yeah, it's still just trying to take Alindra down. Edros Veronis, we're back to you. I Edros sees. Uh, Edros knows what's about to come, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, he's cut off by fire that he doesn't really want to walk through. But second, he has fought with Alindra enough to know when she's about to go supernova on a sucker. <laughs> Turn so, three normally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to move so that uh, Edros is going to move kind of along the fire, but not into it. Yeah, and, corner action. Yeah, he's going to position himself, and then he's going to ready an action, where he is going to make a charge attack once the fire from Blazing Orbit goes out, which should be at the end of Alindra's turn. Correct. Right. So you, you can't move and charge, unfortunately. Let's oh, see, unless right. that, oh, you right. want to do that on your next turn, mm-hmm. you can. But yeah. that's a Solarian ability. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, well, I guess you know what I'm going to do? I have a healing serum. <laughs> I might as well. I, I might as well. You know, while the fire's up, I can't really get to this guy and make the attack. Plus, I know yeah. she's going to go supernova, so I don't want to get within her range uh, right. anyway. Uh, I'm just going to try and stick myself with. As I move, I'll whip out a healing serum. It's not a lot, but it's something. Are you into okay. HP damage already? Oh right! Oh my gosh! Why am I forgetting all these rules? No, it's it's okay. You can you can use that to stop the bleed damage at the very least. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, so it's it's up to you if you want to use it or not. Yeah, I'd rather just use it because I'm otherwise right. I'm going to do 1d6 every. So time. the bleed is stopped, and let's go on to Nax's rack next. Drew. Alindra, your fiery personality is going to keep us all in the fight. Here's 16 stamina. Oh my god. Oh, I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can only do that once, so don't love me too much. But, you know, if you could, get him. I'll try. Next in the turn order, we're back to Alindra. Oh, and guess it? what time it is? <laughs> <laughs> Bada boom, boom, boom. I would say time for a natural one, but yeah, no, oh. no, no dice rolls. No attack, yeah, No yeah. d20s required here, so go in supernova, correct? Yes, supernova. Here we go. Now, what, what is the range on supernova? Um, 10 feet? I think it's 10, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you're right next to this thing. The creature does get a reflex save. It has failed. Ooh, I've rolled up. <laughs> so it's yes. taking how oh, much goodness. damage? 24 damage. Jeez Louise. Okay. All right. It is still up. It is not looking too good. You see bits and pieces, holes appear in its chest as the fluid making up the core of its body kind of has to go and patch these holes as your stellar fire burns away a good chunk of its mass. 24 points of damage. Awesome. Also, the wreath of fire around me is gone now. Uh, the blazing orbit fire? Yes. Okay, great. And your turn's done. Back to Miles. Ramy, what do you got? He he sees uh, the creatures take a huge hit with the uh, the supernova and mm-hmm. follow suit by firing magic missile. <laughs> oh, uh, classic. For 15 points of damage. Hey. Ooh. Yes. Last time. All right. Yeah, not. Oh, still not doing too well. Back to Andis. How tall are these pillars? Probably about 15 feet tall. Okay. Yeah, pretty pretty tall. All right, I'm going to jump jets up to the top of one of these pillars. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Just like perch up there so I can get sort of a, a top-down shot on this thing. I will allow it. All right, excellent. And I'm going to take a shot with ye old laser rifle. Mainly because it's so cinematic, and that's what we're going for here. There we are. That's a 31 to hit. Oh, only a 31? That's a hit. Yes. All right. Yes. I got one, guys. I got one. <laughs> uh, that's nice a shot. Fourteen points of damage. This is this has like the most hit points of anything you fought so far. So <laughs> believe it or not, every hit point is super useful. Uh, all right, yeah. So it takes that hit. It's taken a massive explosion from Alindra this turn. Some magic missiles, and we are back at the top with turn four. And it is. It's just going to move back into the shadows and disappears into darkness you guys have a whole turn to do what you want because it is you can make a perception check to see if you see where it goes on our turn or now uh well let's do them all right now because if not you you will not be able to attack it hiding in the shadows all right uh, some good rolls here, I think. Yep, no one is able to track it as it disappears uh, into the darkness. Even with so the you guys have, Ugh. Even with, I think we needed over 30. Yeah, it just seems to disappear. Once again, it is absorbing light. You guys have a turn, a non-attacky turn, if you want to, to heal up or, or cast something else, some, some kind of prep. What would you like to do? Uh, Raimi definitely wants to heal. 
Right, so you can pull out a, a healing serum, roll that. Anybody else? Uh, Alindra, you are still bleeding yeah, as well. Yeah, for so sure. Yeah, you, so I'd like to yeah. do a healing serum mark two. Will that stop the bleeding and do HP? That is correct. Yeah, okay. you you do also uh, will take eight more points of bleed damage, I should mention. So. Okay. I have a question for Alindra. Since this is a free turn, does she still get one more towards stellar attunement? Yes, you're still very much in danger, so <laughs> no, no need there but you just you can't make any attacks because you can't see this thing stealth is its number one skill let's see so alindra are you still do you still have hp damage yes yeah okay um, but not not a whole lot okay like how, how much uh six <laughs> i okay. i have a maximum of 46 and i'm at 40 hp okay. right now but i i have a maximum of 42 sp and i'm at eight so Stamina is way more down than HP. All right, so let's see. Raimi, you've rolled, is that a one on your healing term? Mm-hmm. And Edros, is there something you wanted to do? Uh, while Alindra is sticking herself full of feel-good juice, I will guard her flank and just make sure that the monster doesn't try and sneak up behind her as it oh. has tried to do the last two turns. Oh, well, don't worry. It's rolling. Yeah, Andis is going to uh, jump jet over to the other pillar. So Ooh. I'm standing directly sort of over Edros and Alindra, just like on Overwatch. Okay. Well, if you want to uh, stay at your current pillar, you can also uh, ready in action if you want. Oh, so if I see something, I can take a shot? Uh, yes. So it basically it's like you're doing nothing this turn except guarding. All right. Yeah, let me do that. Okay. Right, because it is going to appear, believe it or not, on the, the top of the next turn. We're going back to it randomly attacking one of you, though. Oh, and this time it's going straight through the big guy, Edros. Whew. So Yay. it's going to appear here. You can make an attack uh, now, Andis. I'm doing it. Oh, so close. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, that's not going to do it. Yeah, 17 is a miss. And it comes up to you, Edros. It's going to make that same trick attack. Mm-hmm. What is your KAC? 23. All right. The, the dice love you here because the trick attack doesn't go off. It does hit, but it he doesn't. The, the creature is not able to stick into your vital organs produced in that bleed effect. So it is only 11 points of damage. And we are back to your turn. Okay. Okay. He's appeared right in front of me. You've seen this before. Let's do a double attack. So uh, get him is not current. Correct. Correct. Because we missed the You turn. know what? I'm going to redo that. I'm just going to make a single. Okay. He flailed wildly last time, and I think I missed a bunch, so maybe be more accurate here. He doesn't have the support of his good friend. Oh my gosh, glam roll, scrabbles. roll the dice, Tyler. I wanted to make a Glam Scrabbles joke. 26. <laughs> uh, 26 is a hit. Yes! Yeah. All right, 15 points of damage. Already oh, and I actually rolled a one on the damage. Dang it. Next, Sizrak, back to you, Drew. Uh, get him alongside a disintegrator pistol shot. So that's a 22 to hit. That is a hit against EAC. Yes. Uh, Unfortunately, seven damage. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't seem to take as much of that as you'd like. Alindra Vallis. All right. I'm going to move into a flanking position. Think. Can I move into a flanking position with Adras? Yeah. I think based on where you are, you're behind Adras right now. So getting around this creature is going to take an attack of opportunity. Okay. Okay, so it's gonna do that. As you are moving the flank around it, it hits, and it does 12 points of damage. Slashes at you as you go, and now you are flanking. What would you like to do? All right, I'm going to attempt to attack this thing. I'm 
photon tuned again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 19. Uh, single attack. Uh, it, you've got some bonuses. It does have Genom on it, right? Yes, it does have oh, Genom right does. now. Okay, so it does? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so this is plus four then. So yeah. 19 plus four would be a 23. That's a hit. Yes. Awesome. Yes. An important one. Ooh, rolled a lot of damage here. Big Yay. damage. That's going to be 23 damage. Okay, you take a massive sword swipe. Your energy cutting this thing nearly in half. You see one of its arms fall to the ground. Yes. Uh, the, the chest begin to reform, though, and make another arm in its place. Oh. It is nearly dead, but not dead yet. <laughs> Finish it, Miles. Three points left. Miles. Uh, Well, he's... Sees what's going on and casts magic missile. Yes. <laughs> no, over for once. Thirteen points of damage. But that is enough. Your missiles knocking into this thing, battering it to the ground. It's dead. Yes. We're out of combat. Yes. Yay. Yay. So Raby just takes one last giant swig of whiskey and tosses the bottle behind him. <sighs> <laughs> There's still a little bit of flame simmering there from the blazing orbit. The remains of the creature go up in flames. Awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) And that was the liquid carbon golem. A very fun monster. (laughs) We're going to have to release the stats for this for for GMs to (laughs) harry their their player characters with because... That's a great monster. So yeah, you guys out of combat. We've got artwork for it too, right? We yeah, we do. I can't wait yeah. to show people what this beast looks like. Blood and black ferrofluid material drips from your brows, and at first the arena is silent. You can only hear the sound of your labored breathing echoing off the, the glass walls of the splatter dome. But then all the lights appear and come up at once, and the sound of the crowd is let back in. They're howling with cheers. It's a deafening roar and above you is a massive 3d projection of zoe's head and he comes up and says did they live up to the hype or what folks the Starfinders of absalom let them know you care for coming all the way out here to eox there's a standing ovation throughout the crowd everyone's very stoked about this fight because you guys are all almost everyone's bleeding the floor descends and you're all taken down a level to a small room where a number of skeletal attendants begin to, you know, hose the ground around you, <laughs> hosing up the the liquid golem. Uh, a few elaborium medtechs come up and begin to see to your wounds, so they, they they treat you if you're still bleeding and take that away. And you're out of combat, so you guys can can catch your breath uh, down here in in like oh. a little waiting room. Do any ten minute breaks that you want as well. Oh yes, yeah. uh, that was fun. Uh, yeah, but what were our prizes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old glam. Always worried about the prizes. It, it's about an hour or so later. You know, in this time, you're like given dinner. There's fine Eoxian wine brought to you. But after a while, a very happy looking Zoe appears and, you know, congratulates you again. Says, way to go. Way to go. Stunning stuff. Going to make for great reruns. And he ushers you uh, towards the, the back of this chamber through some hallways and into what looks like a very large scientific laboratory. There you see several scientists busy working amongst these huge chairs with these very large apparatus over them. All of it a sparkling bone white. And he says, 
Welcome to the patent-pending New You Labs. Here, the best Yoxian minds are commingling magic, technology, and all manner of hybrid processes to rewire, expand, and define conscious experience. You spend years studying stupid books to get into law school? Ha! We can enter your brainstem through our patented processes and give you the memories of a gladiator who knows how to skin a Kasarik with his own teeth. Poof! You're Kasarik Dundee in a heartbeat. I get it. It's Kasarik Dundee. It's like Crocodile. It's like that. Linda rolls her eyes as a scientist who studied very hard. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, for nothing. So continues and says that there's nothing... Uh, so small to correct nothing too obscure. This is your reward for diving into the splatter dome. Just an overnight stay in the chamber and you can walk out of here tomorrow stronger, smarter, more savvy than when you came in. How about that for a grand prize? I think it was well worth the fight. So in Starfinder game terms, this is going to work like a mnemonic editor, which is a kind of a magical hybrid device that allows you to go back into your levels, your player character levels, and rewrite some stuff. You want to change a feat? You can change a feat. You want to change a, a class ability? You know, maybe learn a different spell? That is something that we can do between <laughs> this week and next week's episode. Very cool. Wow, that's yeah, neat. That's pretty useful. I find it very useful because Paizo, in their Infinite Wisdom, just came out with this awesome Pact Worlds book with a ton more player character options for, for everyone. And I felt bad that you didn't get to at least take a look at some of them. There's some pretty cool archetypes and, and feats in there. Great book. Yeah, looking forward to checking that out. Thank you. Yeah, so, and we'll talk about it off air. If nobody wants to, to dive in and, and make changes to their character, we can give you augmentations um, equal to to basically what it'd be, which is like 5,000 credits. But pretty, pretty awesome. Something to to thank you for having to put up with this March monster madness uh, creature. <laughs> this episode. Uh, right. So if you guys are willing to do that overnight, they, they usher you and you'll get your own share to relax in. We basically have like a whole catalog of body parts you can augment if you don't want to go through this process. And as you are, are laying back, you hear Zoe in, in your ears as you're drifting off to to sleep. They got some gas working on you. And he says, listen, I, I need to shoot back to Absalom. I'm looking at some Junker racing program, so I've got to run. You all were spectacular, though. and I'd love to work with you again. Until next time, my sweet children's farewell. Uh, right. So as you are resting up here in the night, relaxing, fine music begins to play as the, the drug cocktail that they have you on enters your brainstem, quiets you, relaxes you, hooking you up to the machines. It, it's definitely some necromancy that they're they're putting you all to sleep for this procedure. So your eyelids are getting heavy as you rest up. But Knack, as you are drifting off to sleep, you notice a, a figure in the doorframe. It's the same slight Ahsoki woman that, that you saw at the party before the fight. It's that of the woman you know as Kells Feldspar. And she sidles up next to your chair, strokes the fur on your arm, and says, It is a shame that you can't follow the directions. We made it clear that you weren't welcome back on this side of the diaspora. Clan Feldspar doesn't forget a debt. Oh well, you will have your chance to argue your case to save your neck, but for now, sweet dreams. She leans in close to your ear neck, 
whispers into it as you, you drift off into unconsciousness. And she says, If I had it my way, you'd be dead already, brother. Sleep tight. And one more thing. To be continued. Yes! Wow. Sibling rivalry. Yeah. You thought this was all about Edros because he's the icon star of the podcast. No. (laughs) Talking about some some Sisrak background. Hold on. Feldspar. Like, that's not even Sisrak. Like, aren't they siblings? Oh, it's it's almost I mean, like I've. It's almost like there's wait. stuff about Nack you don't know. <laughs> wait, his name isn't Glam Scrabbles? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> I, I have been lied to and betrayed. Uh, Luigi, what is the meaning of this? It's almost like the guy who's had fake names since episode one might have a fake name. Blip, are you are you joking? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, guys, this has probably been our craziest episode I think we've done yet. Like, oh, those three natural ones. Yeah, oh, for a minute there, I was like, our fans are conspiring <laughs> against us without knowing that they're doing it. Yeah, two weeks, two months of challenges in a row. <laughs> they're trying to oh, kill yeah. you. And, 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 so, <laughs> right. and, and it's like, I feel like we never got natural ones in combat until we got the fail deck. <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh, now no, that we have the no, fail deck, we roll at did. least three an episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got a quota we gotta fill. I didn't roll any. I feel uh, great. Uh, I can't I either. I can't believe I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah. yeah, that's really great. Oh boy. Um wow. <sighs> wow, wow, wow. This might be I, I, I can't wait to listen to this episode. This might be my hmm. favorite one yet. Uh let let's wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you guys for playing with me. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you guys. Oh, that's gonna do it for episode 34. Why don't we say goodnight, everybody? Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.